If you keep blaming other people from your, for your problems, which is what I was doing, by the way, then you would have to hire a psychiatrist for the rest of the world in order for you to get better. And my ability to respond to life up until that point was poor. I was the victim of my genetics, my enabling family members, etc. But when you take ownership, you don't you stop being the victim of your history and you start to become the victor. And I pay attention to my body. And when I have symptoms, uh, I, I look at those symptoms as a gift, not as something that I should be angry about or chase. I control my environment. I teach my students to control their environment because your environment determines your thoughts. Your thoughts determine your actions. Your actions determine your results and your results determine your destiny. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. That may be the second time I've ever said that on the show. Usually Tristan opens us up, but he is in Aussie land, as you all may or may not know. So time differences. So I'm actually doing my very first solo cast here on the pod. So luckily we're joined by a very good, very good speaker. That's part of his gig, actually. He's a podcast host, author, speaker, gratitude owner, and overall G, Ben Azadi. How are you doing, my friend? I'm outstanding, Ryan. Good to be with you. Tristan, have fun in Australia. We miss you today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to just open up many, many moons ago. No one will know this, but I'll put it in the show notes. You actually had me on your podcast, Keto Camp, and we talked about some of my autoimmune journey, ketosis, and that was a long time ago. A lot, is, a lot has happened since then, and a lot of our audience here has entrepreneurship backgrounds, entrepreneurship goals in life. Um, but for my audience, they may not be super familiar with you and your work. Some I'm sure are, but I'm sure there are some they're not. So just before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes, I'd love to sort of let you sort of give a little bit of an introduction of your background and how you became who you are today, because you yourself have an amazing story, but we can kind of do an abbreviated version because you have so many episodes on your own cast about that. Yeah, absolutely. And we had a great time on my podcast. Uh, you, sh- you shared your incredible story. And it's been cool seeing you progress ever since then and all the content you put out. It's awesome to watch. I love it. I'm big fan, Ryan, big fan. Uh, my story is, you know, following a standard American diet. We know it's very highly processed and toxic. So I was uh, very unhealthy growing up. I was obese physically, obese mentally. I had a lot of symptoms, a metabolic syndrome, uh, high blood pressure, of course, obesity, but also depression and suicidal thoughts. Uh, And I had bad behaviors uh, to drugs and sugar addiction, food addiction. I had a really toxic environment, hanging out with the wrong crowd. My mom worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken as a kid, so she would bring me home Kentucky Fried Chicken. I would eat it. So it was very unhealthy. And as that transferred into my adulthood, where I found myself back in 2008, a 24-year-old young man who was obese at 250 pounds, 34% body fat, ready to give up on life because I was tired of being in pain every day, tired all day long, chronic fatigue, low back pain, knee pain, working at a nine to five job that was very uninspiring that I uh, resented. And uh, I did explore suicide and I kept thinking about my mother and the devastation she would deal with if I took my life and it stopped me from pursuing that. Then I got into books. Uh, I got into incredible authors like Dr. Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins. And I remember reading Dr. Wayne Dyer, for example, and he would say things like, hey, if you keep blaming other people from your, for your problems, which is what I was doing, by the way, then you would have to hire a psychiatrist for the rest of the world in order for you to get better. Mm. That landed with me deep because uh, if I wanted to change, it's not the people that I thought were causing my problems that needed to change. It was, it was me. It was from within. And he said other things that really lit me up. But the bottom line is that these books and these authors helped me take ownership and responsibility, which I think, especially in, in, in your podcast and your audience with decentral, decentralization and you know being, becoming an entrepreneur and taking ownership of your life, that word responsibility for the majority of people is kind of a word that is unfamiliar. 
meaning they, most people don't understand what that word means. And to me, that means it's your ability to respond to life. And my ability to respond to life up until that point was poor. I was the victim of my genetics, my enabling family members, et cetera. But when you take ownership, you, don't, you stop being the victim of your history and you start to become the victor of your destiny. And that's exactly what I did. I started to move my body. I started to eat real food. I started to do things that I enjoyed doing, like basketball and bike riding and going to the beach and getting outside in nature. Nine months later, I lost 80 pounds. I went from 34% body fat down to as low as 6% body fat. Totally uh, transformed my physical appearance. But more importantly than that, my mental health changed. And I developed a mental six-pack. And the food I was eating was directly impacting my mood. And that was 15 plus years ago. Ever since then, I've been a student and a teacher. I've been learning and unlearning and relearning. And I've gotten into these ancient healing strategies such as ketosis and fasting and carnivore and other, other things that we'll talk about today. So that's what we're doing now. Uh, our mission is to educate and to inspire a billion people, to wake them up, to help them reclaim their power back, their health back, help them understand that there's nothing external they need to heal their body. Everything that they need is within them right now. And God put it there, your body is built to be self-healing. And that's the message that we're delivering out to the world. Man, I couldn't have said it better myself. You said a lot of good sort of, I don't want to say buzzwords because I don't necessarily like that phrase, but you said so many, you had so many poignant moments in, in that short sort of monologue right there, so especially the part about taking self-accountability. That's truthfully, at the end of the day, what this entire podcast that me and my friend Tristan have put together is creating this idea of uh, education, uh, taking ownership on all aspects of your life, health, wealth, and all these things become very interconnected. And you realize, as, as you've known on uh, conversations on your own podcast that so many of these problems that people face, whether it's wealth, health, a mixture of the two, um, finding purpose, um, mental health issues, all these things are so interconnected and interwoven that once you sort of like pinprick and find and peel back the onion of yourself, you really find this beautiful uh, blossom that you maybe never knew you even had within you. And so this is something that you found on your own journey. I'd sort of like to take a step back as well, really quick and talk about, okay, after you achieved health and you sort of were in this state of, wow, I found this thing that I never knew existed within me. What, what in, in you made you want to pursue all of the endeavors you have done now with speaking and, and being an author and, and starting your own podcast? What, what was sort of the antithesis of that and building Keto Camp? Um, because like you said, you were working sort of this job that you resented. And I think mm-hmm. one of the areas that, anyone can start no matter what point you're at currently is taking a step back, sitting down and reflecting on what purpose do you want for yourself and to put out into the world? Because I think it kind of starts there and then it sort of builds out. So I'd love for you to sort of take us back and take us into the journey of how you built what you have now. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, It would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was, I was still working at that nine to five job. It was actually a a packing and shipping store. I was a manager at that packing and shipping store here in uh, Miami. And after I lost all the weight and, and transformed my health, about a year and a half after that whole transformation, the store was going out of business. So I had an opportunity, actually, another uh, company, a packing and shipping company, uh, wanted to hire me as their manager when I, I would make that transition. But I, I wasn't passionate about that. I was passionate about health and nutrition at that time. I had some friends who were asking me how I did it. And I was just doing some nutritional consulting at that time, along with my job. So I ended up betting on myself. I ended up taking a risk and uh, declining that that easy, safe transition to another packing and shipping job with a steady paycheck and just saying, okay, this is actually what my purpose, you use that word purpose is very important. This is my purpose and I'm going to figure it out. Uh, I'm going to paint the plane while it's flying in the sky, if you will. So I became a personal trainer instead. And the the starting point with that was was uh, weird, uh, meaning I, I didn't know how to get clients. I didn't have a gym that I owned. I needed to travel to clients or they could come to my house. I was living with my mom, in my childhood home, and I built out a little in-home gym. They could come here and I could train them there. So I, I put, on, put out ads on Craigslist at that time. Uh, I remember the ad headline, most affordable, South, uh, most affordable personal trainer in South Florida was the title. And I would charge 25 bucks for a 60-minute session 
and I would give these strangers my home address and they would be knocking on my door. Uh, people that I've never met with $25 cash in their hand. And I would walk to the room and train them in my, my essentially a bedroom that, that turned into a gym that got my feet wet. And then eventually I started traveling to clients that led to actually opening up a gym, a CrossFit gym here in Miami and then selling my shares for that gym. But in the beginning, it was just taking a chance on myself, on my purpose. And I really believe when you do that, you, you, you figure it out. Uh, the energy will come, the creativity will come, the vitality will come as long as it's congruent with your highest values. And for me, it was, and that was a starting point for me. You know, it's really funny when you were talking about that. I mean, at 20, one, one thing here, $25 for a 60-minute session is a steal. You will never find Super that. Super cheap. Yeah. You will never, ever, ever, never, never, ever find that. Either be skeptical or take advantage. That's like the two, the two options with that. But what's really interesting is like there are a lot of people that I've met, including yourself, through the space that um, sort of went on that journey where they, they were at this point in their life where they were either at a dead end or could choose a less than... Uh, less than vibrant future, at least mentally, like mentally working in a place that you don't want to be for the next, you know, 40, 50 years and then retiring, which is generally the course of action in standard America. And you took that bet on yourself, not knowing what was going to pay off. And it's sort of uh, being okay with being that black sheep in your family as, as I have actually done pretty much my whole life without really thinking about it. I just like could never do the things that everyone else around me expected to do, find out, follow that standard formula, get my 401k, do all this stuff. I just, I just was so tedious and it just drove my mental health down so badly that I just couldn't do that. And sometimes, you know, you got to go into it being okay with the unknown. And I think as we get into some of the health discussion here, that's a big part of it. It's about that N of one. It's all aspects of all these things, but it's about being that N of one, taking a chance and adjusting because you're going to make tons and tons and tons and tons of mistakes. I mean, you still make them. I make them every single day and people remind me every single day. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's about taking that chance and really uh, sort of going all in, in in some sense like you did, like starting a business. And actually, I saw a really good post on Twitter the other day from a friend of the show, Stephen Lubka, who owns Masa Chips, which is like the, one of the only tallow uh, baked chips that exist. They're really, really good. And he made a a tweet about leaving his corporate job in tech and it was super cushy, super easy. He had crazy good paycheck that only like only um, any American could dream of really. And he hated it so much that he was willing to throw it all away to go in on himself, make way less money, but fulfill a purpose. And now of course he's making pretty substantial money and stuff like that, but it's not quite as good as tech. But it goes back to doing something that you love. And I can see that in all of the things that you have built. I see that in every speaking event you attend, every reel that you upload. I can see the passion behind your discussion. And I find that to be very motivating for anybody that is at that point with themselves, whether they're ready to take their first stab at resetting their health or starting a business or going all in on something of that nature to just sort of, you know, do it. And once you do it, you find out how it goes, and then you adjust. And then the more you try it, it's sort of like building a YouTube channel. The more you do it, the better you get, and you will reach success at some point if you just keep going and adjusting and not uh, following the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over mm -hmm. and over, expecting a different result, which is fundamentally if a lot of different conventional systems here, but the medical system as well. And, and probably Absolutely. the weight loss that you were told, I'm sure, by your GP to just yep. eat less and move more, um, which... Our audience will understand, so we don't really need to go into that too much. Yeah. But I would sort of love to talk about briefly on your health journey, how your fundamental beliefs have evolved over time. You've had a lot of cool discussions. Recently, you had Sarah Kleiner, um, who's um, very much quantum quantum stuff, which a lot of uh, we, have, we have a lot of guests on like that. But I'd love to know just like how, how your philosophies have uh, adapted and evolved over time. We mentioned ketosis early on. We can kind of talk about that briefly. Um, maybe like a one sentence of like what ketosis is. I can even do that. It's basically your body's ability to burn fat for fuel. Um, all of us have it. It's not a diet. I don't even want to hear any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> That's right. But I'd love to hear how your philosophies have changed over time and how you've adapted as once you regain health, have more energy, more vitality, building this business, how you maintain that on a daily. You travel quite often for speaking events, um, et cetera. So I'd love to hear sort of like one, how that's changed over time. And then we can kind of get into how you maintain that with your schedule. Yeah. Um, 
how uh, has I, has it changed over time? Uh, it's it's evolved a lot, um, several different ways. For in the beginning, I did the whole calorie counting thing, and I know we don't have to get into that, but I, I believe that was the way to weight loss, which was just eat less and move more. I used to do seminars at my CrossFit gym called the science of fat loss, teaching people to count, count their calories and total energy expenditure. And I realized it's just doing them a big disservice. So I changed my mind about that for sure. Uh, and then, you know, my overall, I would say a lot of things have changed, but I would say overall to give you a, a concrete answer. Now my, my thought process has evolved to more of a, a cyclical approach. When I look at everything in the world, everything is cyclical. We have the four seasons. We have um, uh, women have their menstrual cycle. We have the sun that goes up and goes down. We have the moon that comes around every full moon, every 28 days. Everything is cyclical. And I, I view health in that lens with nutrition and supplements and fasting and, and doing more keto versus doing more carbs. So that is uh, the premise behind my philosophy is you, you mix things up. And when you mix things up and you live with nature, which is something that you talk about a lot and Sarah, of course, talks about a lot, when you align with nature and you align and, and, make, and, and don't stay too rigid, but have the flexibility to try different foods and try different approaches and different fasting schedules, that's where you're going to get results and that's where you're going to prevent any plateaus and any, any stalls. Uh, unfortunately, in the keto space and in the carnivore space, which is my space primarily, that is not a, a, a common thought process. You know, They think, okay, keto helped me in the beginning, uh, or carnivore helped me in the beginning, that means I need to do it harder, I need to do it longer, um, which is not the case. Uh, the, the the real truth is that you actually need to get out of that <laughs> keto, get out of ketosis, stop doing carnivore for a little bit, throw in some different foods and create more diversity in your gut, give the body a change, it forces adaptation, that is the goal. The body wants to survive. The number one priority for the innate intelligence is survival. It will do everything possible to adapt and survive. So when you change your foods and increase your fasting window or decrease your fasting window or throw these hormetic stressors, the good cells get stronger and the bad cells, they don't adapt. The body gets rid of them. The body cleans them up. The mitochondria get stronger and the ones that are weak, go, the body uses them uh, and gets rid of them. Right? These are amazing things that happen when you change things up. And the funny thing is that I kind of knew this principle as a personal trainer when it came to working out and teaching my clients how to work out, what did we do to continue getting them results? We always changed up the routine, right? So it's the same thing with our health protocols. We want to change it up. So I look at supplements that way. I look at all these hormetic stressors that way. And I pay attention to my body. And when I have symptoms, here's another thing that I've learned. Uh, I, I look at those symptoms as a gift, not as something that I should be angry about or chase. I look at it as a check engine light. Like, okay, what did I do? What did I think? What did I eat? What did I spend time doing that caused this symptom? This caused this check engine light helps me kind of reverse engineer and get to the cause, remove that cause, and then the symptom goes away, right? So being overweight, that's a symptom. Cancer, autoimmune, which is your story. These are symptoms. They're not the problem. They are gifts from the human body. They are telling you, hey, something that you're doing is interfering with your body's ability to heal itself, I'm going to show you the symptom so you could get back on course. So that's something that I view now very differently than what I used to view many years ago. It's really interesting too, because I feel like we're sort of just on that same wavelength there. Because And I see it within the community. I'll be scrolling through TikTok or whatever, um, and I'll come across live streams from people of that very same mindset of like, they're still so stuck in the one the one visual paradigm of, oh, it's, it's ketosis or, oh, it's counting calories and xyz and it's just like yes the i feel like these things all have a place on this tree of what is health but they're not the end all be all and i think it gets a little confusing for people especially when you're on our side as basically being the educator the marketer um all these different facets that we have to sort of dance around in order to quote run a business or run a show or get the message out there you got to find okay where's where, where's the point of entry? And I think you found a really great one and you've been able to carry that football to sort of like a, a further finish line of, you know, it's really all these things that are encompass, uh, encompassing. It's funny, I was actually going to bring up uh, the, your quote, the innate intelligence, because I, I just love that so much. And for a long time, and I'll, I'll get DMs constantly from people that are going through things that me and you have been through or you, your clients have been through or my clients have been through. And, you know, I tell them like, 
you know, let's pay attention to those things. And it's easy to get your mind wrapped up when you're in the despot. But it's about really listening to your body and I think regaining that ability to listen, which is lost very commonly. It's, it's, we're just so out of tune. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where I think seasonality can be a very powerful thing. But I think the other thing too is in our messaging, it's easy to convince someone of, oh, maybe I need to try you know, ketosis or, oh, maybe I need to try carnivore. But they need to remember that that's within the context of themselves. We can always speak within the context of our knowledge base, our experiences, the people we worked with and their experiences. And so I always tell people like, hey, there's no blueprint. There's all these tools that I think you said beautifully are ancestral and so, sort of second nature when it comes to human wisdom um, and just nature and how it works. But it's how you apply those tools that can be a bit individual. But at the same time, it's like, I don't think you really have to get too far into the weeds to make progress, even when the the situation is seemingly dire. The, and I, I sort of want to ask you about this too, is as you've grown, I feel like the principles become so second nature that your modalities become simple over time. Like the, the practices I implement, they're very second nature now. But when I really think about them from a 50,000 foot view, they're so simple, you know, seasonality, um, like being connected with nature, um, eating real food, um, avoiding, you know, crazy chemicals and, and glyphosate and things in, in plants that are sprayed. Um, and so it's once you, it's just practicing removing the noise of everything you hear in life up until this point. And then everything becomes so clear. It's, it's really a magical um, experience. I'd love to ask how you apply that now to being in a place where you're sort of in a state of how do I maintain optimization or how do I kind of tweak and play this to be my best self so that I can perform on stage and be very coherent, very um, powerful in, in all facets of life. How, how do you manage that now? Because I've had a lot of discussions with other entrepreneurs um, or people that just work in very busy lifestyles um, and we talk about health, but it's hard to do that when you're very go, go, go. How do you, how do you manage that in, with your schedule and everything that you do? Yeah, I want to answer that. Uh, before I answer that, it's a great question. I want to talk a little bit more about the the noise part you said with all the noise, because you're right, there are these uh, universal laws, universal principles, these ancient healing strategies that have been around forever. And they're pretty basic, right? They're like, go outside, eat real food, move your body, right? They're pretty basic, but we've forgotten them because of the noise, right? Uh, Neville Goddard used to say, we are only limited by weakness of attention and poverty of imagination. And when we think about mainstream television, mainstream news, social media, billboards, our environment, that's the noise, right? That's the weakness of attention. That's poverty of imagination. It's helping us forget these principles of real health. And it's normal now, uh, not normal, it's common now to eat packaged foods and to drink uh, soda and to do things that are not healthy because most people are doing that. And, and the, it's only a small percentage of us that look at that and say, well, that you're eating fast food, you're actually drinking soda and has high fructose corn syrup. Like we see a different movie than they see. Uh, and it's designed this way. This is what your podcast is about. Like this is the, the structure and it's a brilliant business model. It really is for big pharma, big food and the government, but it's very evil and it gets you hooked and uh, it gets you sick and it keeps you sick for a very long time. And instead of living 75 years you live one year 75 times, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and over, which is the definition of insanity. But uh, I, I, um, every Thursday, uh, I have dinner with my mom and my fiance. I go to my mom's apartment. She makes dinner for us and we enjoy it. The challenge with the dinner is that my mom watches television <laughs> and she loves watching like Hallmark and, and these, these movie channels. So the TV's on while we're there. And I don't watch television. I'll watch some sports here and there, but I'm, I'm not really watching television. But when I'm at my mom's, the TV's on. So I, I look at the commercials and I'm like, it's big pharma. It's uh, this medication for a migraine or Crohn's for depression. And then it's fast food restaurants. And it got me curious to, to, to see, like do some research or right, what percentage of TV commercials in America 
are funded by big pharma? And the answer is 75% in 2020, probably higher after COVID, but 75% of the ad spend is funded by big pharma. And then about 11 to 16% is funded by fast food restaurants. So essentially you have commercial after commercial, fast food, big pharma, big pharma, big pharma, fast food. And it's no wonder why people think it's normal to eat these things and take these meds. So that is the noise right there. So the first thing to do is help people detach from that help people understand that, look, they're brainwashing you in a very bad way. Even if you are trying to be consciously aware of it, it doesn't matter because it's going into your subconscious mind and that's where the majority of your results um, happen. So your environment is the most important thing. So I make sure, which now answers your question, how do I stay focused and energized and do all the things that I'm doing with my business and education? I control my environment. I teach my students to control their environment because your environment determines your thoughts. Your thoughts determine your actions. Your actions determine your results and your results determine your destiny. It goes back to your environment. That's going to determine what you're thinking. And if your environment is toxic, then you have stinking thinking. And if you have stinking thinking, your dreams are shrinking. You're unhealthy, you're unhappy, and you are not decentralized. You are miserable. I protect my environment. I'll give you an example. I had a childhood friend just recently, two days ago, text me. He got his, my number from somebody else. And I used to be good friends with him. I haven't spoken to him in years. And he's like, hey, my, my wife's doing um, a 72-hour fast. I'd love for you to talk to her and coach her through it. And this is not something I do for free, right? I'm a business owner, but I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll chat with her. But he kept texting me over and over. Can you call her? Can you call her? I'm like, look, uh, Oren, I, I, I would love to chat with your wife. I have a schedule that I follow and I... I'm busy today. Like I'll block some time. What about this time tomorrow? Like, so setting boundaries is what I did with them. And I think that's very important. Otherwise, we're going to allow our environment to control us, which is more like a thermos, a thermometer versus somebody who's a thermostat who controls their external environment. So that is one thing. And then the other thing is I do the things that I love to do. And the things that I, when I find myself complaining, when I find that my energy levels are dropping, uh, I know I'm doing things that are not congruent with my highest values. So I find ways to create systems and delegate. Maybe I do it right now because I don't have uh, the funds to create a position for that. But eventually I delegate that and I find the person to do that job for me. And I stay in my zone of genius. And I was just talking to my fiance about this. I'm like, okay, thinking about 2024 coming up and I want to focus on no more than five main things the entire year, right? So I'm outlining what are those five main things. Anything that is not those five main things, any job, any activity, I'm going to find a way to hand that off to somebody else. So I'm on Upwork this week doing interviews with people in different positions because I want to be so committed to the things I love to do because I know it's going to give me the biggest bang for the, my buck. And a great book that I think you would love if you haven't read it all about this is called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And it's by Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. It's not a Grant Cardone book, even though it has the title 10X. But the book is incredible. I listened to it this year five times, five times in a row, because it's that good. And essentially, they, ha they have you do a lot of things. But one of the things they have you do is go back the last 30 days to all of your activities, write it down. And if it's not a 10X activity, meaning that activity that you love to do that gives you a 10X growth, if it's not that and it's a 2X activity, you find somebody to do it for you. And that's something that I am committed to doing and getting better at because that's when I stay in my zone of genius. I have energy. I don't have to find energy. I release that energy. And I think for entrepreneurs, that's probably one of the most important things you can do. No, that's actually such a good point. We have a lot of conversations uh, about this, whether it's me and Tristan or, or me and Owen, who, who uh, I work with as well. He has a great uh, YouTube consulting business and is a terminal cancer survivor. He has a great page on Instagram. Yeah, we love Owen. Me. Owen's amazing. But it's all about about that it's about and that's why i think this is such a, a sort of a beautiful career path for anyone to take and that can look a thousand different ways but it's it's really about diving into your passion and it's funny because i'll wake up every single morning and my girlfriend and i'm just like jazzed i'm like i'm hyped every morning when i get up and she's like how can you be this excited at 6 30 in the morning like every day <laughs> and it's just because i've i built like you said that environment that allows me to encompass my energy so that I'm not bleeding anywhere. I'm not bleeding any energy out that doesn't lead into something that I'm either trying to build or strive for personally, or that leads my clients to the next level. And that's what it's all about. It's about finding that 
purpose. I don't know if you have any specific sort of tips back into when you were sort of kind of building this out for yourself because it changes over time. But if you're somebody that's like still working a nine to five, sitting in their office every day, but they want to get out there and they either want to start doing something like we're doing or who knows what that is. It, where's a good place to start? Is it by just simply making a list of like, what are things that I enjoy and then creating a world around that and starting to build action steps? Or what advice would you give to that person that's sort of just trying to launch something and sort of is in that idea phase? The first step is to find out what your highest values are. The Greeks called it um, teleology, which is the study of purpose and meaning. And the cool thing about this is that it's unique to the person. Everybody has a unique highest value. So give me an example. Um, a stay-at-home mom, her highest values uh, are her children, the family, right? And let's say her husband, this is just an example. Her husband is an entrepreneur and a business owner. That's his highest values. And they both go to the mall. She is seeing all of the baby clothes, all the toys, all the things that, that are um, going to be for her highest values, which is her children and her family. The guy is seeing uh, the cash registers and all the people in line and all of the, the money that they're making, all the business opportunities, right? Because that's what the view, their le- the, the lens they're, they're viewing their life from, from their highest values. And that doesn't mean the guy's highest values is better than the woman's. That's just, they're unique. They're both equally great. You know, if that's your highest value, that's live in that, you know, find out what it is. That's the first step. So there's a great book called uh, uh, the highest, uh, your values factor, excuse me, your values factor by Dr. John Martini. If you don't know what's important to you and you're not clear on what your values are, this is a great book to help determine it. It helps you go through different activities, but I'll give you some tips. It's usually the things that you are so energized when you talk about it, right? You're in conversation with somebody and you're talking for hours about this topic. You're so energized about it. You you think about it all the time. People ask you questions about this topic. That's usually your zone of genius, your highest values. Like, so like me and Ryan here, we're having this conversation. Like we're both in our zone of genius. We're talking about nutrition, entrepreneurship, and we're energized because this is something that we're congruent with and we love to talk about. But if Ryan came on here and you started asking me questions about uh, politics or I don't know, taxes and things that I don't give a crap about, then I, I'm going to not be as energized. I'm going to be a little bit disengaged, right? So find those conversations, be aware of those conversations that light you up and you feel like time passes so quickly. And then once you have determined that, then it's like, okay, what's the avenue to teach people about this? Uh, I know this, the quicker you teach something you learn, the better you absorb that information. So it could be as simple as I'm reading a book and I just learned something that's aligned with my highest values. It's a super cool fact. I'm going to go on Instagram live and teach somebody this. I'm going to record a video. You get the benefit of teaching other people what you're learning, but also the more you teach it, the more you learn it and absorb it and it it sticks like a brain tattoo. So find some avenue. You know, YouTube, I think is the best avenue. If you're going to choose one platform, YouTube is here to stay. It'll give you the biggest reach if you could figure that out. I know um, you, Owen and, and Ryan, you guys do great job, uh, great work with, with YouTube, but we have all these social media platforms. It could be a podcast, it could be Instagram, whatever it is, but find some sort of avenue to teach what you're learning and you're going to absorb it better. And then you could create a business out of it. You, in this day and age, you could build a very successful business out of it. What, and this is just sort of a personal question, but I thought it was it's kind of interesting. What drew you to podcasting? Because for me, it's, it's, I've been in the YouTube space for a long time. Um, I've worked in there in many different sort of ways. I've had like some, my, some of my own channels and various things, but I got sort of tedious with the, the formulaic event of having to script out videos and like make it X, Y, Z. And I loved the idea of just having conversations with people about conversations that I'm passionate about. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, that's probably similar for you as well, but what sort of drew you? Cause there's that, there's a philosophy that, uh, is spoken about from our friend Brett over at Meat Mafia podcast, where it's just like, everyone should have a podcast whether that's to become a better speaker uh, or just expand your knowledge base. Um, for me, it was to become a better speaker because I probably said 12 ums already. I'll go back and I'll rewatch it. <laughs> I'll be like, oh man, did that thing again. But it, it, communications for me, very important because if I want to help educate, I got to be good at communicating it to people that maybe aren't on the same wavelength as me yet. I got to, I got to reach them where they're at. And that's part of being a good speaker. And so that's why I was drawn to podcasting because it's one of the most authentic ways I think to reach people. There's, 
We're not cutting things out, probably. Um, <laughs> haven't yet, but we're not cutting things out. It's, it's very raw. There's no edits. There's no, there's some performance, I suppose. Like my energy is higher than maybe I would have in a normal conversation, but that's yeah. mainly because I'm excited, but it's just so authentic. And that's what drew me to it. I'd, I'd love to know what sort of brought you into wanting to podcast for yourself and speak to all these amazing people that you do on your podcast, probably just expanding knowledge. Are you self-employed or a small business owner and are tired of paying hundreds of dollars a month to centralize health insurance companies for minimal coverage because there is no alternative? Well, I have good news for you. There is. And this podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a more decentralized alternative to health insurance, and it uses community and crowdfunding to help its members pay for emergencies when they do happen. They incentivize and prioritize health and personal responsibility and share the thought that you should really only be using the centralized healthcare system when emergencies do happen. This is what I am on board with, and I have personally signed up for CrowdHealth since I left the corporate engineering world and the medical benefits that come with it. If you want to learn more, you can check out our episode with CEO and founder Andy Schoonover, or you can head over to joincrowdhealth.com and use code DRADIO, D-R-A-D-I-O, when you sign up to get a discounted rate of only $99 for the first three months. Centralized healthcare is one of the biggest issues in our society today, and I really love what CrowdHealth is doing to provide an alternative for people who care. Yeah, all that for sure. I mean, I, I found myself before I launched my podcast, already reading so many books and different authors that I wanted, that I would love to have a conversation with. So what better way to meet some people that um, you study and, and aspire to be uh, similar uh, to their status or their, their uh, of level, level of edu- education and things that they've done than to actually interview them and have them say yes, right? Uh, if, I, if I just read people's books and I emailed them cold email and I'm like, hey, I read your book. I'd love to hop on a 60-minute Zoom and, and chat about you know, your book. I mean, what are the chances of them saying, sure, yeah, I'll give you an hour of my time. But if I had a podcast and I reached out and said, I read your book, I love it. I'd love to introduce it to my audience and dive deep into it. Then chances are they're going to say yes. And they have said yes. So what a cool way to learn about the authors, make connections with them, build relationships with them. Uh, For sure, all the things you said, it, it helps with your speaking ability, your interview skills. It helps with all of that. But also you get to study and uh, grow a business from it and then get sponsorships and make income from it. I mean, there's so many cool things you can do with podcasts. You can repurpose it on YouTube, which is what I do, and get YouTube video views as well. So there's a lot of cool things that you can do. And I'm 600 and tomorrow we're releasing 600 episode 687, right? So we are deep in the game, my friend. I've done a lot of interviews and there's a lot of uh, amazing people I got to connect with. It's just uh, a blessing. Uh, it really is. There's a lot of benefits to podcasting, but my main one was, okay, I'm already reading their books. How do I get to have a conversation with them? And that the answer was start a podcast. Now I'm very similar. I mean, I think for us, it was about a little bit about the education stage, but also we I mean, me and Tristan have read so many people's work. It's about just having conversations with them and maybe hitting questions that we were had burning in us when we were reading their book and just getting some more of that information out there on, on a deeper level, because you can only really go so far into a book, depending on your audience that you're trying to reach with that book. So you may not be able to even explore at a depth that maybe you're looking at because you're like, ah, oh, the audience isn't necessarily there yet. So it'd be kind of, it'd turn them off if I got this deeper into this part of this alleyway over here. So it's fun to have conversations where you can kind of take it a different way than maybe what you've already read. Um, Plus, I'm just I'm just a chatterbox. I get I could talk for hours with with anybody about random things, and I do. And I talk at people um, when they don't want to hear it, anyways. So <laughs> whether or not you're going to be hearing about this weird light thing I read about the other day, or about how you make four times the ATP burning fat than glucose, or what, like, I'll just tell people yeah. stuff like on the street. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it's a ton of fun, and you get to connect with really cool individuals like yourself, and sort of form those relationships over time, which which I think is very valuable as well. Let's talk a little bit too. You mentioned a lot, and I'm sure in every interview, everyone asks you this about vitamin G. But I, me and Tristan did a live yesterday about the Blue Zones documentary series that just came out. And I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. Of course, things that we disagreed with, talk about in the live, you can check it out there. But 
one of the major takeaways for longevity, which I already knew, but I was glad to see it in a mainstream stage, was this huge focus on community. And you talk a ton about vitamin G, which I'll say is gratitude. But what I've loved about doing this job is meeting people like yourself because this is my tribe. And I think that is so valuable and missing in a lot of people's environments that they do not realize has a dramatic impact on their well-being, mentally and physically. You've interviewed people who say the two are tied, very much so. The Body Keeps the Score is a great book about that. Yeah. But I'd love to s- discuss like when that came to you. And then also just we can get into this discussion about how important that is for longevity that it really has nothing to do with nutrition or some of this other stuff that's also very, very much influencing it. But I think community is huge. It is huge. Yeah, we're, we're so, we are social creatures. Uh, we th- thrive in communities and we create disease and um, a shorter lifespan in isolation. That's why the last three years with COVID and all the lockdowns was very dangerous. Not, not just not because of the virus, but because of all the lockdowns and isolation. Um, so yeah, those blue zones, of course, there's a lot of propaganda and um, bad science with it. But what they do have in common, to your point, is the communities that they build, the relationships they have. You know, there's something to be said. And this is important because I have students that are doing keto and uh, they're doing so well. And now they're telling me, Ben, Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is coming up. Like, what am I going to do? And I said, well, you have two options. You could just stay committed to the plan and remain, you know, just eat the protein and fat or you could enjoy yourself with your family, be grateful for it. There's a lot of health benefits to doing that and just forget about that one meal that you enjoyed with your family, even though it wasn't that healthy keto meal, whatever. There's health benefits to enjoying it and being present with your family. So gratitude, vitamin G ties right into that. Uh, this is a universal law. We all understand that whatever we feed energy to, into, it expands, it grows. This is the same thing with gratitude. What you appreciate begins to appreciate. And when you focus your energy and your resources and all the things you're grateful for, you get more things to be grateful for. All of a sudden, you stop complaining. You stop, you stop being resentful uh, because there is a part of the brain that uh, is called the reticular activating system that is the size of your pinky in your brain stem that acts as a selective seeking mechanism. It is a filter essentially because the brain has to filter out millions of different inputs every single day. And the RAS is there to filter out what you have trained it to be not important. And it's a survival, actually, reason we have this. Again, going back to the number one priority for the body is survival. So the RAS is there for survival. So when we are focused on the things we hate about ourselves, the job I hate, the president of the United States, uh, this relationship you hate, and you start feeding that RAS all the things that you don't like, guess what? RAS is going to see more things that you hate. And then it's just going to be a vicious cycle. But when you start making that transition, when you start appreciating people, appreciating your job, appreciating your circumstances and having gratitude, now there's a shift. Now the things you were angry about and resentful for, you're now grateful for. And then you have more things to be grateful for. And there's a lot of health benefits to gratitude. And that ties into the community part. Because when you're with family, with friends, with community, even if you're not eating the healthiest foods, but you're there present and grateful and laughing and getting the oxytocin and the dopamine and all the amazing things that happen when you laugh and are enjoying yourself, my gosh, the health benefits to that are tremendous. And that is what all these blue zones have in common. They have community. And I I personally saw this, uh, you asked me the question, like, when did I start to pick this up with the importance of community? It was during my CrossFit gym days. And I saw how cool it was for our CrossFit gym to build a community and do events and that social gathering. Yeah, it was a gym and CrossFits are a gym, but it's so much more than just a gym. It's a community. People brag about doing CrossFit. They brag about their CrossFit box. And that it was something that I noticed. And that was one of the big reasons why CrossFit became so successful, not because of their workouts, which are great, but because of the community that they built and people just love to brag about it. So that is uh, where I started to pick up that community is very, very important. And now I've uh, modeled that in my online courses and programs and YouTube, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that's so important. That's actually one of the things too. The one thing I take away from 
a lot of creators that I follow is like the ones that make it, the ones that make it in, in this space, whether it's health or, or whatever you're doing on, on, in videos, the ones that make it always are really good at forming community. That's just like, and that's one of the things I think we can be grateful for even through 2020 is that luckily we had this medium to stay connected to some degree, um, some for the better, some for worse, hopefully more for the better. But I imagine years past when, if this had happened, we would have never been able to like barely talk to the ones we loved, you know, barely even be able to do that. So I, I am thankful for, for that as well. But I think it's super important too, just in the community where you live to find people that you can connect to, whether that's like a youth group or a church group or people at the gym yeah. or all those things, because there's, there's this in-person connection that is always going to be, um, impossible to change like there's just it's, it's always going to be needed like there's so much we can connect you know via the internet like this but it's never the same as talking to someone face to face um and being with them in person just reading their body language and all of these things like i found for myself speaking of the way the body sort of uh, or the mind um affects the body i found through therapy and things like emdr which is basically uh rapid eye mo uh, movement desensitization desensitization um, for, for past traumas and things is that your body needs to work through emotions. And I feel like we live in a society that likes, to, well, it's less so now, but, but shoving down emotions can create health problems that you see later can, can actually contribute to obesity from just the chronic stress. And it's good to give time to yourself. And I can't even emphasize this enough. I, I tell this to everyone I work with, whether they listen or not is that you need to have time to just work through the emotions you had that day and just sort of live them because we're, we're, we all say, by the way, mountain Valley, mountain Valley club right here. Um, I, see that. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Cheers. I thought I saw it, but cheers. Yeah. Um, great spring water, <laughs> but, but it, it's a really important. I think people use busyness as a way to escape emotions and that in and of itself can be the one, it could be the single thing holding you back from reaching your full potential. And I found that within myself, and I'm sure you found it um, on your way as well and working with people that, you know, you can do all the modalities, but if you're not working on the stuff in here, it's, it, it, it's a stopgap that needs to be uh, addressed. And it's often the hardest one to, to, to work on, I found. One yeah. thing I wanted to ask you sort of just on that is we've sort of talked about strategies to, mitigate the the work you don't want to do so that you can focus on the things that bring you joy and therefore ultimately 10x what your goals are but when you can't do that what are some strategies you've used to work through those moments so that stress doesn't become an issue for me that's always been taking time to practice mindfulness or go i mean it's basically mindfulness no matter what i do but spend time in nature and Make sure that I am leaving time out of the schedule to do those things that I love, even if I have to do things that I don't love. Because we all start at ground zero where we're building up. So we can't yeah. hire a team right away. But I'd love to hear some of the strategies you've implemented over your years of building your business to sort of mitigate those things or sort of allow them to not keep you from reaching where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're right. You can't just, you know, delegate everything right away. But understanding that it's temporary, that you're doing these things for a greater purpose and uh, building a future for yourself, your family, your future family, your future business, your current business, whatever it is, but it's temporary. And uh, this is all happening for you, not to you. Uh, that's one thing right there, understanding that it's all part of the process. And you were, you were talking about like course correction earlier about, you know, you correct, correct. And that is true. That's the way it goes. When there's a book called You Square and in that book by Price Pritchard, he says, Rockets take off and they essentially fail their way to the moon. It's all about launch, course correct, course correct, course correct, course correct, and they eventually get to their target, right? Essentially, as entrepreneurs and every goal that we have, that's really the way it works. It's just course correct. So um, understanding that everything is on the way, not in the way, knowing that it's temporary, you're doing whatever it takes now to build that future later, but you have to have the energy to do it. That's where you have to have the right foods, in your uh, in the right environment and the right fasting schedule, whatever it is, it's going to help you do it better. But you also mentioned something very valuable, Ryan, and that is creating some time for yourself is very, very important, especially for entrepreneurs. A lot of people do 
find it hard to be present with their thoughts because they uh, are busy to avoid having to deal with the inner stuff, as you mentioned. So I think the most important times during the day to be with yourself and find that routine that works for you is in the morning and right before bed. And the reason I say those two times is because that's when the subconscious mind is the most impressionable. So find a way to protect the first 30 minutes or 60 minutes after you wake up and then the, the 60 minutes before you go to bed. You don't want to fill your mind with social media or the news or the radio or even conversations. You want to be present. And that is different for everybody. For me, it's gratitude. It's writing my goals. It's walking my dog. It's uh, um, reading uh, a Jesus Calling book and different self-development books. I'm with myself. I'm with nature. I'm in my backyard usually. So find a practice that works for you and protect that morning time, protect that evening time. If you're doing things that you know you don't enjoy doing and just understand it's temporary, have the energy to do it, be thankful that you get to do it, and then eventually you'll be able to delegate these things. That's actually a really good thing you brought up because I, I often, this makes me think of my dad who's just a workhorse of a man, like um, tail end of the boomer generation, just everything standard way of um, US living is, is like has been his life. It's it's really, it's really, it's kind of funny in a way, but I've, I've watched him over the years and his his number one thing has always been stress. And it's always because that scarcity mindset. And I think that's very easy to fall into when you're trying to pave your own path like this is that scarcity mindset of, oh, I got to do all this stuff or I'm going to lose it all tomorrow because I'm the only one holding it together. And if you really take a step back, that's not inherently true. For instance, before this podcast to sort of get ready for our discussion and make sure I was energized and in the moment and able to commit all my mind to this and not let it wander as it sometimes does. I, I literally sat outside for an hour in the sun and just soaked it in while I had the nice weather because Tomorrow may not be like today in Utah. The weather is crazy. So <laughs> when I have the time and it's nothing urgent, I'm going to take the time for myself so that I can be my best self. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when we're sort of our own bosses to perform. And I think sometimes that can be um, to a detriment. I sort of like to walk through maybe like what is a day in the life of, of Ben Azadi? How does he keep him... Uh, keep yourself at your best. And actually, after that, I want to talk about your recent, uh, your carnivore uh, splurge. You do this every now yeah. and then. And I you did too. it actually recently as well. I'd love to sort of compare the the things we we felt. Um, we've both done it many, many times, so it's kind of second nature. But, but yes. I'd love to talk about that. But first, walk us through sort of a day in the life and how you sort of make time for yourself. And you mentioned a few good things right before now. Yeah, the morning routine. Uh, my morning routine is actually an hour and a half long. I, I just didn't, you know, for the average person, that might be too much. But for me, it's an hour and a half. I don't look at my phone uh, within the hour and a half. I, I do look at it to check my aura ring scores, but I'm not looking at my, I'm, it's on do not disturb. So nothing else comes through. So I'm not on my phone for the first hour and a half. I um, do my gratitude journaling. I do my, I write down my goals and I read my goals and uh, I do my affirmations and I walk my dog and do walking affirmations in my head. I'm not listening to music. I'm with my dog. Uh, he's doing his thing. Then I come back home and I start making my, I start making my coffee, taking my supplements, um, doing red light therapy at the same time. And then I go in my backyard and I start doing some self-development reading. Uh, I have four different books that I rotate from and I read different passages from them. And then I start my day an hour and a half in. I get into my office here, um, turn on the computer and I uh, get to started with the emails and the social media and all that. In terms of like meetings and interviews and all that, I don't take any interviews after 5 p.m. Eastern time and I don't take anything before 12 p.m. Eastern time. So my meetings and my podcast is, uh, is only in the afternoon. There are rare exceptions to that. Uh, but for the mo most part, like my meetings are midday nothing outside of that. So I know I have the first half of my morning to work on some of my most important tasks. And I know by 5 p.m. I'm done and I could start to wind down and then go into my, my routine later on in the day. So that in general is uh, how my day goes, my day-to-day -day goes. I think that's really important too, what you were talking about, um, about having that morning and evening time sort of set somewhat aside because that's like what you mentioned, you're most impressionable. And I find those are the times of day that most people either make the biggest mistakes that impact the rest of the day or just an overall picture of what's going on in their life, their health, the way they make decisions, the way they're feeling. Because for me, I have a very similar sort of strategy in the morning. I'm pretty much 
tech down for the first, at least the first hour, pretty much. Um, and then I'm outside pretty much as soon as I can, even in the winter, I'll go out there and strip my shirt off for as long as I can handle. Um, and then I'll do similar things in the evening. But for me, I have the same, very same thing. I basically, almost no one can reach me post five o'clock, 530. I'm out. Um, unless you're a family member or a close friend that needs an emergency, I'm pretty much on airplane mode and you're not going to be able to reach me. And it was actually really funny when I first started dating my girlfriend and I put my phone in airplane mode every night, she was like, well, what if someone needs to reach you at like 1am for an emergency? I was like, well, you know, the emergency will still have happened by 8am the next morning. And I'm not <laughs> probably going to be able to change it at 1am minus I'll be more angry and uh, tired by the time because I won't be getting any sleep after that. Yeah. So, so that was yeah. sort of how I answered that question. It's a good um, answer. I feel the same way. But I, I think it's important that everyone builds something like this into their routine. Even if you're working a nine to five or need to be in the office by a certain time in the morning, make sure you got a few minutes there when you get up that you can collect yourself so that you aren't rushed because that really does set the pace. And I, it really harkens back to my when I was in college and I had early classes, I would be I would try to sleep in so as long as I could, and then I would rush. And then the rest of the day, I'd feel wired and just unkept. And I think it's important to really restructure that and the evening so that you can be as optimal as possible. And, you know, it doesn't have to be. I, I think one of the, the problems a lot of people have when they start breaking in routines is they feel like it has to be rigid or they feel like it's going to be an inconvenience. But the beauty of it is if you create that lifestyle for yourself and alter the environment to suit what you want, ultimately, and you work on that over time, it just becomes like every day. And then it's not a hassle because it's a lifestyle. And that's how diet, exercise, um, things like red light, all these things shouldn't be an inconvenience to get to baseline. They should be a development of creating a new you. And I always... I'm sure you do this with clients too, but I always ask them almost day one. I'm like, write down on a notepad or in your phone who you're leaving behind and who you want to become when you achieve your goals. Because it's not going to be the same person. Yeah. And that was a battle that I fought for a long time was, and I'm sure you have too, um, and maybe you can sort of speak to this a little bit, is like when you're in the roots of your illness or whatever that looks like for you, whether you're trying to lose weight or whatever, Sometimes you're so focused on the past that you're not working on building who you want to be in the future. And that's why I think actually entrepreneurship is beautiful because that's all the focus is like building new. Um, and so I think that's super important. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I agree with that 100%. A lot of people identify with their illness, their disease, their their past. And um, you got to detach from that and, and focus on the person you are stepping into, the calling you're stepping into, which is different than where you have been. So I agree with that. It's a great thing to do right off the bat because it's going to be totally different, completely different physical appearance, completely different mindset. Everything's going to change for the better, but you got to detach from that. Too many people hold on to it and it's not doing them any, any service. It's not really helping them. So I love that tip to write that down because it's going to be very, it's going to look very different and feel very different. hundred percent. All right, cool. Now the fun stuff for the last couple minutes of the show. Um, you recently talked about, and this was probably, it's probably been a month since, since we spoke about this and you made your post, but you do yeah. the carnivore diet every now and then as sort of a reset. Kind of talk about your, your philosophy with that, um, why you started doing it for yourself. I'm actually doing a very similar thing, but I'm sort of doing, uh, because it's very wintry here and getting into the cold and nothing is really growing. I'm, I'm sort of transitioning into my seasonal ketosis till spring um, and sort of leaning into that. But I, I like to do stints of carnivore as well, just to sort of regain that clarity um, and stuff like that. But I'd love to hear one why, when it came about for you, and sort of the the benefits you felt from doing so cyclically. Yeah, I, I love that you're doing that seasonally. To that's what our ancestors did when it got cold. They ate protein and fat. They they were in ketosis. They didn't eat carbs. Uh, I'm in Miami, so it's pretty much summer <laughs> all season long. But I, I can mimic that for sure. Um, I got into carnivore. Well, I, I I started to hear about carnivore in 2018 or so. I remember Dr. Pompa talking about it, my mentor, and then of course Paul Saladino was one of the big advocates of it. Uh, Sean Baker and a few others, and I started to hear all these amazing anecdotal shares about what it did for autoimmune and 
people's guts and their brain fog. And I was like, well, this is interesting. There wasn't really a lot of research out on it. There still isn't to this day. There's just a lot of anecdotal evidence, which is, which is powerful in itself. So I wanted to try it first. And I did 40 days uh, that first time. This is in 2020. I did 40 days. And uh, I did lab work day one, lab work day 40. I also monitored how I felt. I monitored my uh, autoimmune. I have Raynaud's and, and um, uh, um, ooh, I'm forgetting the other name of it. Raynaud's and erythromyalgia. That's what it's called, which is, um, they're both rare autoimmune diseases. But I monitored that and also how I felt. And I felt really, really good during carnivore. My labs transformed as well. So after that stint, I started to, um, I wrote a chapter about it in my book, Keto Flex. I started to teach it to my students because I wanted to do it first before I taught it to them. And now it's one of my main pillars, carnivore. But it's not something we do long term. Uh, it's a 30, maybe 90 days if you have severe autoimmune reset. Because what it does, as you know, Ryan, it just eliminates all these anti-nutrients. It allows your digestive system to take a break and heal itself. And uh, you get into deep ketosis because you're just having protein and fat. So now, ever since I did that experiment, three or four times a year, I'll do a 30-day to 40-day stint of carnivore. Uh, if I know I have like a heavy month with a lot of speaking and traveling, and I, I don't want to get sick, and I want to be on top of my game, that's usually a carnivore month because I feel really good when I'm in carnivore. So this time around, I, I said I was going to do it in um, the month of October and I was going to do the labs again, but I was going to take it another level and do a stool test day one, the labs day one, CGM, which I have on uh, as well. And then I was going to look at um, my aura ring scores to see my, my sleep in terms of the previous month, how many times I would wake up on average each night compared to the time I'm doing carnivore. And then my heart rate variability, resting heart rate, deep in REM averages and get all that data. So I originally had planned to do 30 days just the month of October, but um, I've been very busy with, I just moved into a new place and I haven't made the time to redo my labs and redo the stool test and get all, everything together. So I'm continuously, I'm actually still doing it, which is the good news. So I'm probably going to go another 45 days or 60 days and then I'll make time because I want to make sure I do all those labs on that final day again and then I'm going to break it. So that's, that's kind of the update there. Yeah, I was actually, and I, I look forward to seeing uh, some of the results because sometimes it's just like, sometimes it, it's insane. I remember the first time I did it, I think my HDL, which many people associate as like the good cholesterol or whatever. That's like the common name. Um, but mine went from like 56 to like 80 or something crazy. Wow. And in, in, I, I must have done it for at least a month and a half. But, but I, I just remember like looking at it and I'd always struggled with HDL and I could never figure it out. Um, and I, at the time I had chalked it up to genetics because my dad always had poor HDL. But after that, I was like, no way. And so I told my dad, I was like, listen, we're going to start doing this. And I was able to actually, his was low forever since his thirties was like always stuck below 40, no matter what he did, which probably wasn't that much, but we did that and boom, doubled that thing, got it up into the sixties. So it's amazing what such seemingly a simple change can do, um, to, to a lot of those markers and bring down your HSCRP and all yeah. this, all this crazy stuff. So it's super exciting. So sort of, uh, more of a fun question kind of towards the end, you talked to a lot of exciting people on the podcast. Um, Sarah Klein is just like one of my personal favorite people to talk to. I'll, I'll DM her every now and then and just have these crazy discussions about things that I think most people never really need to know, but they're kind of fun <laughs> to talk about, like metabolic water. Um, but, but who are some guests, if you can say, that you got coming up that you're really excited to talk to, um, mm. some fun conversations? Coming up. Um, yeah. In two days, I have Dr. John Laurence coming here. We're going to sit down nice. here, do an in-person pot. I'm actually seeing him tonight. Uh, not two days, uh, tomorrow he's coming over, but I'm seeing him tonight at a Jim Quick event in South Beach. So Dr. John Laurence is kind of like the um, a mad scientist, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> High-dose melatonin suppository, man. So he's always fun to talk to. I think this will be like a sixth time, but this is going to be our first one at my studio in person. Um I need to look at my calendar. I don't even know who I have coming up. That's uh, exciting. I can tell you this: last or two weeks ago, I had Mark Sisson over for oh, a Mark great Sisson's conversation. Right. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Here's he's here in Miami as well. I have somebody, uh, Dr. Emily Rowe, coming in person as well to talk more about like mold detox and heavy metals detox, which is uh, something that I love talking about. I have uh, the C. 
CEO of uh, Body, Bi- uh, Body Bio, uh, which is a great supplement company. Oh, yeah. Talk, They're yeah, great. Yeah, talk about theirs and a few others that I can't remember, but uh, it's, it's exciting times for I'll sure. Give you, I'll give you one name, and it's not for the faint of heart, but he will be a guest on the future Decentralized Radio podcast, Dr. Jack Cruz. He's a oh, neurosurgeon. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know one, Jack. Yeah. One day... Definitely talk to him. Who? I mean, I mean, you know who he is. He's 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 not for the faint of heart. Let's say. Yeah, he's he's one of the smartest guys in the space, but also one of the angriest um, <laughs> people who don't know how to communicate. He doesn't know how to communicate his message well. Otherwise, he would reach so much more people. But he's so smart. He's very smart. A hundred percent. Yeah, and that's and that's part of the finesse. You know, you gotta you gotta know right who's who you're talking to. How do you get the message out? And actually, one of the things as as I'm actually I learned this from partially from you, but partially from uh, from Owen as well, is that you can't be angry at the reason like you're sick or the thing you're trying to fix. You really got to embrace where you are at and and sort of be happy. Like I feel like that's super important. I don't know if you have to necessarily like like the body positivity thing. I don't think you have to necessarily like like and say like, oh, this is perfect the way I am. But I think you do need to like who you are in order to really put a positive foot forward. Because I've, I truly am a, a, I'm a huge believer that nothing really good comes from coming at something angrily. And, yeah. Or you'll get a suboptimal result. So if there, is there any message you would like to leave with our audience on that note uh, before we sort of end it? Yeah, what you said is, is very important. I agree with, I agree with you. Um, it's kind of like a healthy dissatisfaction with life. Like you're grateful and you're dissatisfied. You're, you continuously want to grow because change is inevitable, but personal growth is a choice, right? So being happy and grateful, but dissatisfied, I think is a great place to be. Um, so that's kind of the way I live. I'm always celebrating victories and I'm happy for about things, but I also, okay, what's next? What else can we do? Because I, I do believe abundance is our birthright. And you mentioned, um, who was it? Was it your dad about scarcity? Yeah, you said your dad yeah. has more of the scarcity mindset. And a lot of people do. And um, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's really not. Abundance is our birthright. A great quote. Uh, I forgot who said it, but the quote is, from abundance, they took abundance. And what remained was abundance. There's no shortage of it. There's no shortage of health or success. So the final message I would say is that you also, the most important thing is is believing that you could start this business, believing that you could heal this autoimmune disease. You talk about this a lot, um, Ryan, believing that your body was built to be self-healing. That is the most important thing. The placebo effect is one of the strongest effects out there. There's also the nocebo effect where you don't believe it. And then that's the truth, right? So whatever you feed energy to expands. So there's something to be said about believing in your body's innate intelligence and the ability to heal itself. And I know, when you're going through so much crap, uh, maybe you're broke, maybe you're unhealthy, maybe you have uh, 17 different medications. How are you going to believe you could get off of all that? Well, sometimes you don't even have to have the belief in the beginning. You could borrow that belief from Ryan. You could borrow that belief from me. You could borrow that belief from somebody who believes in you until you develop that belief for yourself. But somebody needs to have belief for it to happen. So that'll be my final message. Believe or borrow the belief of somebody else. 100% man, I sound like a broken record like every time I talk about it, but I think it's one of the most important messages that everyone needs to hear no matter what stage they're at. It's it's vital. Like you can't do nothing without it. So, where can people find you Ben? You have a great podcast, The Keto Camp. I would point everyone there, but where can other people reach out to you, find your courses, uh find your consulting, all that stuff? Yeah, thank you Ryan for having me, bro. I'm glad we made it happen. <laughs> I know it was back it's and forth a little bit. Yeah. Um, my Keto Camp podcast, as you mentioned, Camp is spelled with a K. And then my YouTube channel is called the Keto Camp YouTube channel. And then my website, benazadi.com, has all the socials, the courses, and free guides, et cetera. So that's benazadi.com. Awesome. Well, all those things, including some of the books that were mentioned in this podcast, will be in the show notes. I will point you out there, and we will see you in the next episode of Decentralized Radio. Have a good one. 